You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. Have you ever read your Bible and thought to yourself, it needs more pictures? Well, today on Systematic Ecology, a special edition of SG, we have a man here to talk about his work on fixing that need of adding more illustrations to the Bible. We are the priests of the geeks, meaning that we are mediators between the Christian faith and pop culture. This isn't a trap or a bait and switch. We are just a couple guys who love Jesus and love good comic book artwork. And if you love what we're doing here at SG, then head on over to patreon.com slash systematic geekology. Subscribe to one of our tiers and you can unlock things like monthly comic book reviews where we sit back and talk about some of our favorite books from the month, along with D&D playthroughs. It's a lot of fun over there. Well, I'm one of your hosts for today's episode, Brandon Knight. I am a seminary student. And recently, I watched the DC animated film Batman Soul of the Dragon. Now, if you like Batman stuff, which we're all about Batman right now, Batman's actually in it very little. It's a lot of Bruce Wayne. But if you're like me and you have a constant itch for 70s kung fu movies, man, does this movie hit the spot. It is really good. I hope they do more of them. Uh, I am Joe. I'm another one of your hosts here. And uh, my wife and I have been going through all of the live action Batman adaptations. We just finished the 90s uh, ones with Batman and Robin. And boy, let me tell you, that has been a fascinating trip down memory lane. A very neon trip down memory lane, I imagine. (laughs) Yep. And hey, everyone, we have a special guest in the studio today. Simon, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi there. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm Simon Amadeus Pelario, and um, I'm the creator of the Word for Word Bible comic. We're going to get into that. Um, But to keep on the theme, what have I been geeking out about? Well, um, recently um, I started playing in a role-playing campaign of um, Death Watch. So it's the 40K role-playing game where you play actual Space Marines. And um, I bought the book about like 10 years ago, whenever it came out, and it sat on my shelf. And I thought, I really want to play it. I'm not confident enough to run it. And uh, it's just been there, and I've always wanted to play it. And then a friend of mine said, oh, I'm going to run it. Do you want to be in it? And I was like, yes, I'm going to play it no matter what. So uh, we've been doing that. It's been great. Everyone's got at least one game on their book of sh- on their shelf of shame that they have not played yet. I've got one that's like a tabletop game. I've had it for I think two years now, and I've still yet to play it. Joe, yeah. do you have any games like that? Yeah. So I one of my one of my secret obsessions is the show Friends, mm-hmm. and I had a <laughs> Friends trivia um, game that my wife and I just busted out over the weekend for the first time. Nice. That's good. I have a bit of board games as well, but the problem with trivia games is that you have to play with people who are like roughly the same like tier as you, or else you're like come right. back to my house and can destroy you at a game of. <laughs> <laughs> right. there's one that we've got it's called um trail to canaan or something like that and it's it's bible questions so it's like you know you go through the hmm. board and ask you bible questions but again it's like you know you play with some people that are like yeah i don't i don't know the name of that person from the bible <laughs> it's like sorry you don't know moses how do you not know moses okay well hey 
like I said back at the beginning, we're going to be talking today about a comic book series, a graphic novel series called the Word for Word Bible Comic, which is uh, a work that Simon, this is something that you're involved in. Have you? Are you, You're the creator, correct? I'm filling uh, in yep. some gaps. All right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm filling in some gaps. So, okay. So rather than me just butcher everything because I'm running on, I just woke up like an hour ago. So why don't you go ahead? Why don't you tell us what is the word for word Bible comic? Yeah, great. Thanks. So um, the word for word Bible comic is a graphic novel series adaptation of the Bible, which uses every word of the scripture in each book. So um, we've done various ones for example the gospel of luke we just did a finished a kickstarter for in there you've got every word chapter and verse from the book of luke and the way it works is that when the words aren't really needed such as um he said or a little description of what people are where people are standing and things like that they're subtly included in between the panels so you don't really need to read them but they are there um so that's so it's unabridged the second thing is it's untamed because we don't cut any bits out it means that with some of the books like judges joshua there's some sort of hardcore um bloody action parts which we don't shy away because the intention is not aimed at like little kids most you know comics and stuff that come out in the christian sphere are like Mm -hmm. just for the little ones this is intended for adults and then it it, for teens as well so a lot of our books are 12 plus and some of them are 15 plus um sort of as an advisory so it's probably generally speaking it's fine for children or people under that age but that's the sort of to give the you know mums in the comic Christian bookshop the uh the heads up on what's what to expect so that's the other thing and then the third thing is it's historically accurate so we do loads of research to try and make sure that all the places the weapons and armor the buildings are all specific to the time period uh even the plants and animals are like specific to the region okay. and it's got all like maps and all that sort of stuff to try and make it just as accurate as possible it's not just going to be the bible with some extra pictures it is supposed sure. to take you into that sort of time frame time period and, and just give you a much more accurate um depiction ultimately I remember when I first heard what you guys were doing, I the first thing that came when I heard animated Bible, like a like a drawn out Bible, I'm like, the, I, the first thing I thought of was this thing that I got from my nephew many moons ago when he was a kid. And it was it, it was like that, like a drawn by a mm-hmm. Bible, but very it was made for a kid. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. all of the things that come along with that. And so I started poking around and checking out your stuff. I'm like, oh. These guys are not shying away from keeping it honest to the source material, even though it's being presented as a graphic novel. And I think for a lot of us, especially those of us that are geeks, have have looked at something like the Bible and like, man, this would make a really, really epic story if mm-hmm. presented in that kind of way. So to me, that's one of the biggest things that's really awesome to see that this can be taken into a different medium while still respecting the source material and not giving this watered down version. Well, that, sure. yeah, that's the thing. And, and I think being a geek is part of it as well, because, you know, I sort of felt called to do it. But when I, but 
a big so we talked about role play already well i do larp as well you know where you know you dress up and do role playing and and some mm-hmm. of the larps that i do are, are very historical so almost like reenactment kind of like you know this is this time period but that sword has got too much of a curve on it. it's not period for this time you know and people are very <laughs> particular for the history sure. right and and people and this is history geeks ultimately and i'm like mm-hmm. you know i didn't want it to be wrong i i with that sort of thing in mind i you know i want the all the things to be right and so i you know really research it as much as possible in the book of judges for example the very it spans 250 years minimum at the beginning of the period it's basically the bronze age and by the end it's the iron age and also the chariots at the beginning have um uh, eight spokes on a wheel but by the end they've developed that six spokes on a wheel is actually better so the chariots have six Mm. spokes on a wheel and it's just stuff like that 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 through those time periods you can see sort of the change and and anyway so the point is that (laughs) being a geek about history and getting it getting it right well you know i uh so i'm a seminary student i've been doing preaching for eight years now so to hear that not only are you trying to keep it word for word to scripture, but doing the extra legwork of going into historical context, like that's very crucial. You know, that's something that often gets overlooked when we, I think is something that often gets overlooked when you look at film adaptions of the life of Jesus or whatever, you know, we're, we're finally getting to the place where things like the Bible series or the, uh, the chosen or things like that, that are finally starting to try and be a little bit more historically accurate rather than just, Here's a guy walking around a desert, you know, yeah. um, and for me as a as someone who wants to make sure that people understand their Bible and understand how context determines meaning and historical context adds into that as well. I'm delightful to hear. It's very delightful for me to hear that you guys are that is a all the way down to chariot wheels, making sure mm-hmm. that they got the right amount of spokes. That's awesome. Well, it, yeah, and then, but uh, linking to what kind of you both said, in the sense that, that you want to get stuff right and you want to get stuff in context. And then, mm-hmm. um, Joe, you were just saying, like, you know, you looked at a, a kid's version and, and it's for kids, obviously, it's cut down. Well, mm-hmm. the problem is, uh, for me, I find that with the adaptations, as you've said in film, or in other comics which are are for kids and they are for kids that's fine because you're going to have to like simplify it a bit if you actually are aiming at a kid but these aren't aiming at kids so we don't want to simplify it want to give everything now there's an example here where you look at the story of samson and the way it's presented to children and obviously they cut out the prostitute well we don't want the prostitute in the children's thing because there are a lot of questions about that so we're going to just cut sure. that out and then it kind of seems like samson's randomly killing people for no reason so we're going to cut that bit out and he sort of promises he won't you know and then mm-hmm. what happens is they cut out all the stuff that he does wrong and it ends up where the children's version of the story is god gives samson a bunch of vows samson when he's good, he's super strong. But when he sins, God leaves him. And then that's it. Mm-hmm. That is the story you get as a child, essentially. And then when he repents, God comes back and helps him again. Mm-hmm. Actually, the real story of Judges is, here's a guy who's a failure. He gets given a bunch of vows. He breaks every single one systematically. He turns his back on God completely. And yet, at the end of the story, God still uses him for the for to 
to start to begin the, the thing that he prophesied. And then Gideon's the same. He turns to idolatry. And, mm-hmm. and all the other judges you go through and basically like, here's a bunch of people who mess up and do wrong, but God mm-hmm. uses them for his purpose. And so actually, as a person today reading it, if you make a mistake or you sin, God's not cast you away. He can, he's still using mm-hmm. you. You're still, and that's the gospel. So actually, by pulling the prostitute out of the story of Samson and making and sort of misconstruing what it's about, you actually take the gospel part of Samson's story out of Samson. You know, it's like he's a sinner, but God can use him, and you're a sinner, and yeah. God can use you. Um, and so that's the that, that's the difference. And so it's really dangerous, I think, to actually take a piece of scripture and then cut bits out and then represent it. Yeah, I think you you really run the risk of misrepresenting the scripture. Yeah, especially with a character or with a person like Samson, because I think he becomes like this model hero for kids. You know, hey, he's super strong. He's basically Superman. He can't fly, but you know, he's you know, he's like Hercules. We're all, you know, Joe and I are nineties kids, so we grew up on that Hercules cartoon and Kevin Sorbo. So like it <laughs> Samson's the same thing. But like when you get right down to the nitty-gritty, like Samson's not a character for us to model our lives after at all. It's a cautionary tale. But it's also a reminder, as you said, that like Hey, when you mess up, when you sin, it's not that God's going to immediately leave you and leave you to fail and all this. Like, you know, there's glimpses of the gospel and grace and mercy throughout Samson's story. And when you peel back the layers, you miss a lot of that. Yeah. Are there. uh, So in all of the in your desire to make sure that your context is correct, that you're following word for word. As an artist, as a storyteller, are there any times where you do take any creative liberty? And I, I know when we're talking about the Bible, that may be like, a, oh, man, that's a <laughs> you don't use words like creative liberty when it comes to the Bible. But still, as an artist, I imagine there's got to be times where you might have to fill in the gaps a little bit. Mm, well, I mean, ultimately, the answer is yes, because you have to obviously paint in a bunch of stuff. You don't know what Samson's face was like, so you have to make it up uh, and all that sort of stuff. But where possible, we li- limit that stuff as much as possible. Um, in the front of every one of our books, the intro page, we talk about the way that we sort of interpret scripture ultimately for the comic. And that it's like, if the Bible is clear, obviously draw it clearly. If the, bi- if the Bible verse that you're drawing isn't 100% clear, but it, another verse in the Bible clears it up, then draw it absolutely okay. clearly. If the if the Bible verse isn't one hundred percent clear, but then um, uh, all the scholars basically agree that it must be this because of the history and the context, and blah, 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 then draw it that way. If good scholars are divided, um, or the interpretation isn't one hundred percent clear, then what we what we do is just leave the picture or words in the comic just as ambiguous as it is in the text. Okay. So we just go to the text. An example of of that is where. Um, Jeff uh, um, in Judges again um, offers his daughter, or you know whatever he makes the vow. I'll, I'll give whatever comes out of my house unto the, unto mm-hmm. the Lord if you know we win the battle. Wins the battle, goes home. He's expecting something else. His daughter comes out. When you read it at face value, and if you don't have the Book of Hebrews um, to guide you as well, you, you just think, well, he, he must have sacrifice his daughter on like on a, as a burnt offering which is what he said he would do but actually when you really drill down into it he actually says i will give um as a sacrifice it's like and or 
give to the Lord, something like that. So there's a word mm-hmm. in Hebrew which means like and or, and it's and, and, or. It, okay. and it doesn't mean that he didn't do anything, but it does mean that um, one of the theories is that basically she doesn't die, but what he has to do is give her over to the temple. So instead of um, okay. her, him having a daughter who then marries and then has a line, he essentially mm-hmm. kills his entire line legacy off by her becoming uh. a, a like. Um, you know, a priestess, um, assistant person. Sure. Um, and and, the, and the, the thing that backs it up is that when she cries about the vow or that what's happened, she's crying about her, like, virginity and stuff rather than her life. Uh, okay. <laughs> so she's, sure. she's saying, oh, you know, I'll never, you know. Uh, never have a family. family type of thing. So, so it's ambiguous. But then, like I say, but when you read it at face value, you're like, it does seem like he kills her. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> um, so it's ambiguous and, and scholars don't agree, but there is good, on both sides anyway so the point is on the comic at the end where they then going to fulfill the vow they i've drawn it so that there's a procession where their daughter is being brought by jephthah and then there's it's like a at night so there's like people are holding torches and stuff which implies the kind of burning but um Mm -hmm. and then and then she he he hands her over to the priest the priest takes her by the wrist and then it says and then there's a a black panel that says and jeff did as he vowed or whatever so again it's just sort of like okay what did he do <laughs> you know yeah. um so it's, we leave it as as ambiguous as it is in the text so that um so we're not trying to we're trying to avoid mm-hmm. wrongly interpreting what the scripture actually is um but, but but still trying to give as much context and as much information as possibly can um you know so yeah so I'm curious, how does a how does a project like this begin? You know, that's a it almost seems like a Herculean task to take this this, especially if you're starting in Old Testament, and take all of the these many years of story and context and everything and try and translate that over into this different medium. How do you how did you guys, you know, resolved that the, that this was something that you were going to do and then how do you begin a project like this well that's, that's a great question and it's got two parts and i'm trying to in my mind fix i need to address two things here first is how did it come about how did it come about well i became a, a committed christian off the back of an alpha course when i was in my 20s um i had an encounter with the holy spirit um, and like, right, I'm all in. R- grabbed the Bible, read an NIV Bible, read through it, and I'm dyslexic, so it was a bit of a challenge to like kind of get through it. Um, but I really enjoyed, you know, I really wanted to read it, so it took a long time, but it happened. And but as I was reading, I was like, wow, there's so much in here that you never hear about. They, you know, and and it's the stuff that's like in in Samuel or Kings, you know, this son of the king it wants to be you know um king and then uh, in this one you know basically he rapes his sister-in-law or half sister and then the brother of her gets him drunk and then they get him in the dark and they stab him and you know and you're like this is really great like but I, I didn't know all this sort of exciting political, mm-hmm. you know, assassins and and then and then obviously and then you've got that X factor as well, which is like and then God came along and just part of the sea, uh, you know, or whatever, <laughs> and, and you're like, okay, cool. And so it's like an you know, it's an amazing story, but there's so much because the bits that don't point directly to Christ often don't 
get preached on a Sunday morning. And then the films obviously have to be like two hours long. So they have to cut like 90% of the story to like make the film work. Sure. So you, you end up actually, unless you sit down and read the actual text, you're never going to know that this bit is here. And I realize as a dyslexic record, I'm like, well, a lot of people aren't going to do that. And especially today, you know, you know, everything's visual media, the internet, Netflix and stuff. You know, people aren't going to, a lot of people aren't going to actually just sit down and read the Bible from, you know, cover to cover. So I was like, anyway, that was the problem. And I was like, somebody should make a TV show or a comic where they just use every single word and don't miss anything out. And the, and then it was like a short time after that, I felt that God was just saying, well, you do it then. <laughs> and I was hmm, like, sure. Mm, okay. <laughs> um, so then I started like figuring out, would it work? And how am I going to do it? And, and then and the artistic style that I'd use and things like that. Um, and would it work? Well, this is what I often say. is like if you tried to make a, a, a word-for-word adaptation of the Lord of the Rings, it wouldn't work, would it? I mean, you just can't because there's so much text that's like mm. descriptive on, on all this sort of stuff. But with the Bible, it's just like, he said this, then they went there, and then he said this, and then he killed him, and then he said this. And it's like it's, it's, it's like a script, like for a film or whatever, mm-hmm. um, or for a comic. So, you know, it was not so difficult and it worked really well now part two of your question was how do you just start and then like get started and mm-hmm. well i did i didn't want to start in genesis because like other people who've sort of started comics have done a genesis one and then sort of not done much more and okay. and also this all the stories in genesis are like really well known so adam and eve and noah and and all and joseph it's like, so even the non-Christians probably seen, you know, the Joseph and stuff. Sure. I was like, but, um, and then I didn't want to start in the Gospels because of all they, they're sort of, in a way, more valuable. I didn't want to start there. I wanted to like build up to that. Okay. And um, But because I wanted it to be for adults, um, I, anyway, I, I chose Judges because it's got, as you say, kind of like superheroes almost. So it works well for a comic, a lot of action. There's one character that literally everybody knows, so even non-Christians have heard of Samson and Delilah. But conversely, even people in the church don't know all the judges, you know. Mm. Oh, yeah, Gideon and Samson. Who else? Uh, I don't know. (laughs) Um, So One of my... I have a sermon on Ehud. It's one of my favorite sermons because people have no idea (laughs) who this character is. Yeah, go on. So, So that was why I sort of chose it. And then I started researching the history um, to see, to like, okay, I'm going to start here. Let's do the history. Well, then the, then I hit a thing, which is that the judges um, is in a period, which is very, uh, how do I describe it? So it, on the surface reading of it, it seems that judges happens over like 480 years, but actually it has to fit in within a gap of like 200 years based on like this bit of time and this bit of time and this other verse mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. How do you resolve that? And actually it took a long time to resolve it and figure out and well, not figure it out, but I actually found in the end a scholar who'd managed to unpick it and put it into the right and without it being unbiblical, make it work. Um, but if I hadn't resolved the timeline issue in judges and started in, genesis or exodus i might have put it in the wrong time period because actually Hmm. the judges thing was 
critical to figuring out the time period. And then anyway, so I started in Judges. Um, that's what I wanted to bring up. Is that, That's why I started there. But it turned out that it was God's sort of plan for me to start there. Because I think if I hadn't, I would have done all the history stuff in the wrong time period. <laughs> so yeah. That's rough. That would have been rough. So how many... 66 books in the Bible. How many have you accomplished? How many have you completed so far? Um, so uh, we've, we've, we've done seven and then Luke is the eighth. Um, so we're just doing that comes out later this year. Um, so the ones that we have done is Judges, Joshua and Ruth, okay. Esther and Jonah, and then Mark, Matthew, and, and then Luke has come in. So um, that's where we're, we're at. And then gradually we're sort of building out <laughs> more and more of the books and stuff like that. Very good. Uh, so when I see something like this, uh, I've, of course, coming from my context of being, uh, I'm I'm a little bit more of the um, little brother of the group in certain regards with how long I've been a, I've been a Christian and all of that. But I, for that time, I've been, uh, an apologist by and large, because that's how I relate to God and all of that. And I see the power behind having something like this, that, that strives to keep to accuracy and things like that, that you can point to people or that you can point people to as, as a wonderful apologetic um, tool to be able to see, to, to show like, Hey, this is a, very visual adaptation of placing biblical history within the context of the larger historical narrative, you know? Mm. Yeah. There's, there's a couple of things that, I mean, so one is there's certain key verses in the Bible where they're like, Oh, this is a contradiction. And so um, people who attack the scripture as like accurate and stuff like that will say, Oh, this is a contradiction. Well, a lot of the time those contradictions, um, can be unpicked through just understanding the culture or knowing actually more about the Bible than just saying, ah, oh, this sounds like if you read these two verses together, they sound like they contradict, but actually mm. they don't because it's in the full context, they don't actually contradict at all. Um, and so, so, so working those things out, I'm, you know, have a high view of scripture. I believe it's inerrant and that when, you know, I perceive there's some sort of contradiction that actually, there isn't. And there's a good example of this, actually, um, I just remember. So in, in the Gospels, obviously, the Gospels have got different accounts of the same events. And then so there's prime for people to potentially say, talk about the same event and then contradict each other. So there's one example where Mary Magdalene goes to the tomb. And then in um, in one of the Gospels, it says, like, she arrives at dawn. And um, and then another one, it says um, she got up while it was still dark and went to the tomb. And then there's another one. Um, and so people say, ah, it says it was dark. The other one says it was dawn. It can't be both. Contradiction. But actually, when you really look at it, she gets up when it's dawn and she arrives when it's dark. Uh, sorry, she gets up when it's dark and she arrives when it's dawn. It actually means that instead of being a contradiction, it's a, it's it's um it's a venn diagram which means it's like laser focused on the fact she got up 20 minutes before dawn arrived you know because she's in the jerusalem the tombs this mm-hmm. far away so basically it hasn't contradicted each other what it's done is 
given you to the 20 minutes like what time she arrived mm-hmm. at the team <laughs> do you know what i mean that's awesome it's, it's it, it it's when you compare and that's where like you say that's the apologetics part but the second thing is you're saying about the historical credibility and that's one of the things that we do like to to do like you say people like to say oh you know these magical miracles didn't happen and obviously that's going to be their sort of point of view unless they have encountered with god but to show them that the historical context is there it's built on real things and with jonah for example it's actually quite a good example because he gets eaten by a fish and then like he's alive well the king that he meets and then the king that repents again people are like well who is it you know but you can mm-hmm. from other scripture other scriptures in kings and stuff you can nail down when jonah was alive and then you can say well it's before this point in their history and it's at this location, therefore, it must be this king in history. Um, and um, and so in the back of the book of Jonas, uh, so I draw him a certain way, but in the back, we have little note pages where it explains the um, uh, it explains this historical context or bits and bobs like that. And so I'm just bringing out because I can't remember his... Um, uh, so he's Adad Narari III, is the king hmm. who jo- Jonah meets and you can kind of work that out. I mean, it's, it's not, it's either him or it's his son, but it's like, but what's hmm. interesting is when you look at the king, that king, he does a religious reform during his lifetime where he tries to make the whole of their system revolve around one of the gods, <laughs> the God of wisdom. And it's like, wait a minute, okay. like, <laughs> this guy's trying to like reform his entire culture to follow one God, not many. And it's the God of wisdom. Interesting. <laughs> it's like uh, the wisdom and prophecy. That's right. The God that he tries to like base hmm. this, you know? Yeah. So it's really interesting. Interesting. That is, I didn't know any of that about Jonah. See, I need to get this stuff for my study material. That's great. <laughs> uh, prior to doing this project, had you had any experience in the comic book industry? Um, no, not really, not significantly. I um, I had done a, a comic uh, f- uh, locally for a friend um, and things like that, and we printed a couple hundred copies and sold them and blah, blah, blah. So, um, but it wasn't like a proper thing. Um, and then... Uh, but. Uh, at university i did um graphic design and one of my final projects was to do a comic and during that i studied comic craft and read books about you know the ways that you do present stuff in comics and stuff like that um so i had had a bit of experience of kind of learning it but i didn't have any experience of actually like being a professional comic artist or anything like that okay cool i um when when looking at your stuff, I it's I saw I I can see the influence of like almost like a manga style. But the first thing that popped into my head when I saw your style was like Todd, Todd McFarlane's uh, '90s run of stuff, and I'm like I almost feel like with something like with something like the Bible, it begs for that sort of like approach to it rather than having it being more of a docile kind of kind of artistic approach to it i think that it's it's a really awesome way to bring these these this text to life in in a very tangible way because i think that that's that's ultimately what 
what this what your project does but that's i have been ever since i saw your stuff i i you know started really trying to like dive in and see what you guys are all about and all that kind of stuff because it's very it's very seldom you know we're we're in the middle of the year of c.s lewis on the show Mm. and one of the major things that we've been covering is narnia Mm. and one of the major themes that has come up throughout the throughout the course of the narnia conversation is the power of taking the source material and you know yes he's he didn't you know it's not like he took it it's not the same thing you know, where he took it, you know, beat for beat like that. Mm. But there's power in taking the source material and shifting it and having it become something new. And I think that there's power in the way that you guys are doing it to bring these things, these larger than life things off the page in a very real way, you know? Yeah, I mean, I know what you mean. And one of the, in a way, one of the things that I don't often talk about, but it comes to mind now that you're talking about it in that way is that, um, I think a lot of the Christian comic books um, that, that are made, in a way, come across quite tame um, because I would say, but it's a conjecture, that they're made by people who are great at art but aren't necessarily comic geeks. Okay. <laughs> right? Sure. So um, in the stuff that I do, like you say, like, there are there are influences come in, and I do call, like, call stuff as in it's not me being cool I'm, I'm saying this is a cool thing from anime I'm going to rip it off because it's going to be really cool <laughs> in the in Samson which is so for example like just before he kills the thousand Philistines they bind his hands well you know he breaks the chain the chain things that they put on him and, and then he, he heals them all well I just and I'd it wasn't very recent but I'd watched uh, Sucker Punch and stuff like that the, the film you oh. know and, yeah, yeah. And, and it's a classic anime trope anyway, but it comes up in that, and I thought about the time, which is when the, the character will, like, stand, and then suddenly the power, like, goes around them before they then start doing anything. And so did that, like, where he, he's about to break the chains, and it's like the power kind of comes down, and then, like, oh, cool. he starts going everywhere. Um, but, and, but like you say, and then you, but then there's little tropes or... Sometimes there's like Easter eggs as well in there um, uh, where I'm like, this is an Easter egg from another comic or it's an Easter egg from a Hmm. very famous Christian art piece or like, you know, or Hmm. things like that. So there's little nods to stuff. But then the primary um, uh, like inspiration of of the art style is that is... um, that Mike Mignolo, you know, with Hellboy and oh, Big Daddy okay. and, and all that stuff. And again, uh, I uh, I never read Hellboy um, even before I started this whole thing. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, and being a Christian, I then thought, I probably won't. <laughs> but uh, somebody, you know, lent it to me and I realised, of course, as if you've read it, like that it's not anti-Christian. It's actually reasonably pro because it's kind of like about a yeah. guy's... Um, you know biblically prophesied future and his like a struggle against his nature you know his uh, mm-hmm. flesh nature and what he wants to you know he wants to do right but he's like stuck in the flesh you know and that sort of thing you're like mm-hmm. well it's actually very you know and Mike Mignola is sort of perhaps laps but he's like comes from a Catholic kind of a background so there's a whole lot of like biblical themes in Hellboy mm-hmm. you know um mm-hmm. yeah yeah, the uh, creator of our show, Josh Knoll, I think that's one of his favorite characters is Hellboy. I, later on, we're going to do a whole episode on 
because I I've I've read my fair share of Hellboy as well. I I really like the character and the art. You throw Mike Mignola's name on anything, especially in the <laughs> art category, I will probably go get it. Um, so yeah, that's something that we're gonna be doing here uh, in the next few months is talking about just the lore of Hellboy and the Catholic influences from Mignola. So I'll be good. Mm. So I feel I feel compelled to ask as a comic as a comic nerd. What kind of or it is there a is there a love for comics there beyond what you're the projects that you're working on like what kind of comics are you a fan of those kinds of things mm. um, so yeah um, it's funny really because um, it's uh, in the UK until quite recently or ten years ago um, you actually couldn't really get comics very easily um so what we had was tintin and asterix um and then like a little bit of spider-man stuff like that oh and obviously judge dread and stuff right so you, those are the sort of things you could get but you know marvel dc it, it wasn't terribly easy to kind of get hold of it or buy it in the shops and stuff and i didn't come from a city i came from a town so again we didn't have like a massive bookshop where you know they would bring in batman or whatever to buy it so i did so as a kid i, I read lots and lots of uh, 2000 ad but and i was into comics but um i hadn't read a whole breadth of it but when i was called then to do this comic i then started like devouring as many comics as I possibly could. And so I got a library card and I go down the library and you can get 20 books at a time. And I basically blast out their entire graphic novels shelf um, and go home and read it, take it back, go to the next library. And through that, I've read now, I've read loads of Marvel, quite a lot of DC, and then still loads of like uh, 2000 AD. And they, and I mean, my favorite, so the only ones that I collect and actually bother to like buy and keep is all the Mignola stuff. So, you know, Hellboy, BPRD and Abe Zapier and all that. Um, I do have one or two others, which is like, um, I've got, um, what's it called? Age of Bronze, which is a, a comic adaptation of the Iliad because it's so sort of similar. <laughs> I bought that. And I've got a few Christian ones as well because I sort of collect them because <laughs> like the Bible <laughs> comics. Um, but yeah, but I've got, but I really got into, you know, I've read a whole lot of um, Marvel and stuff, and really liked Civil War um, in the comics when it actually kind of came out. I read a whole bunch of that, so that's uh, my jam. Nice. <laughs> Two thousand AD. I have tried so many times to get into i like the i like judge dread as a character he's fascinating i love but there's something i don't know maybe if it's the the british if there's a like a disconnect me being american and it being very british if there's something there that i'm missing but i know that's like the that is the staple there in britain isn't it 2000 ad books kind of yeah i mean in the comics community yeah it's so they've 2000 ad has certain storylines that run through it and generally speaking it'll have a a judge dread one and and then it Mm -hmm. has like a few different ones as well so each like when you buy you know like the skinny uh and then it'll have a few others that'll run for i don't know 10 weeks thing and then they'll start another one so it depends where you know what you get so i actually Mm -hmm. started i was much more of a fan of slain than i was of judge dread um but then just reading loads and loads of judge dread it's just it's like you say i really like the character and i didn't 
get it. But the but I think what they're talking about is the fact that it's the this type of humor. It's kind of like is you have to kind of like even then it's not very funny but it's kind of like it's kind of like its own thing where it's kind of like a, a geeky appreciation of what it's trying to do. like the, all the silly names of um but again you'd miss them i think if you're american because it's like the you know this is mega block something and it would be like the name sure. of an eastenders character or something like that and it's really mm-hmm. silly but like why would you choose that it's so dumb but like that's Okay. The humor is kind of like there's little silly things in it, and there's like adverts that they put on, and it and it's really kind of silly, uh, but that it's okay. supposed to be sort of that's the kind of tongue in cheek humor that it has. And so, if you don't appreciate that they're trying to be funny, I think that sometimes you're like, okay. oh, that is such a random thing to put in there. Um, okay. and, and then, yeah, and it's also it's like if you read it 20 years later as well, you're like, I don't know what they're talking about because it's clearly something <laughs> from a long time ago, sure. Well, that's good to know. Maybe I'll go pull out some of my... I've got a couple 2000 ADs in my collection. And that's good to know that it's actually probably funnier than I realized just to maybe sit back and just like appreciate what's going on on the page and the names and some of the maybe things before them. Like, that's just weird. Just understand that it's a a humor. The other thing is to just, you know, ask people who've read everything what would be really good examples. And there are some really good plots that they've done that are actually really, really good and clever and, you know, can't fault it. So, um, yeah. Okay. Nice. Very good. You know, in in the Christian community, sometimes when it comes to stuff like this, uh, comic books, superhero movies, animes, and the like, uh, people like to toss around the verse, which the uh, reference escapes me right now. Joe sometimes is quick with Google. Maybe you can find the actual reference. Uh, Talks about putting away childish things. And I have had experience before where uh, people have tried to get me to, you know, if you stopped watching professional wrestling, you know, If you just stopped listening to Green Day, if you just stopped reading comic books, God could use you so much more. I've been I've been looking to get into pastoral work for several years now, and I've had people tell me like, hey, drop this stuff. You know, these are the childish things that people are talking about. Get rid of this stuff and you'll be fine. But then you have gentlemen like yourself who say, you know, what? I'm going to lean into this. I want. I want to use comic books as a medium to tell the story of scripture. So, you know, what would be your response to someone who says, you know, comic books are childish things. They're holding us back from our spiritual growth. As someone who's very pro comic, what would you Mm. say towards that? Well, it's it's about the perception in a way. uh, It's interesting, uh, you know, as a, like an American, you would say that because in the UK, it's even more, I would say, prevalent that people perceive that comics are for kids and that they're, um, you know, that they don't really kind of understand that all oh, they're for adults. But when you actually look at the stats and blah, 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 the primary, so in 2013, Comicsology did a, a study on who actually buys comics. And it was like the primary buy, people who buy it was like 65% males who are, and it was 25 to 35 was the bracket. And then okay. women was the other, obviously, percent was 18 to 25. So it's not, there's no, there's no kids in that demographic. It's like there obviously right. are some children and there are books that are for children. But, the, but you know, the biggest comics are 
Walking Dead and Marvel and Batman and a bit as much people like look at Batman as a kid. It's like it's not like you've read any picked up mm-hmm. a random Batman. It's a very adult themes, you know, about like corruption and gangsters and murder and normally very bloody and gory. They're mm. aimed at adults, and anyway, so the point point is, it's a misconception um, regarding comics in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing is that it, I would say it's actually not so much a childish thing as it's like a culture thing, which is um, okay. so so it doesn't really relate to my comic. But a friend a friend of mine and here in the UK, we you know we both are like alternatives, so we like metal and you know and um, and this sort of thing, but we also like so. I do role playing, and uh, and he does a bit of that, and I, and he's really into board games. And now I've got into a bit of that because of him, and then obviously comics, blah blah. So it, it's a cultural thing. But what we realise is that there's a whole culture of people in the you know non Christians who fit that demographic, right? Well, it's like churches are always going on about being diverse and da da da, and it's like well, we want all different skin colors. It's like, well, it doesn't matter about that. There's all different cultures. Like, you know, if a, if a, if a metler comes into church, they're not going to feel terribly comfortable with how it is now. You know, if we're going to be multicultural, then uh, we're reaching a subculture of society. So what mm-hmm. we do is, uh, is we run stuff that's just for any, anybody so a metal group and it's for everybody locally and then we have a board game group which is like for anybody locally but the idea was for example a board game group you've got christians from church who like board games but then you've mm-hmm. got loads of other people who we've met through knowing just liking board games and living near us and then mm-hmm. we meet up and play board games but these other people then are mixing with people from church and getting to realize oh these christians are much more normal and like me than i ever thought it's just mm-hmm. getting down that barrier of like oh i can't go to church they're all weird you know and just exposing people to christians is a way in a you know of exposing them to biblical life bible god jesus mm-hmm. you know and and that's sure. it and so that would be my sort of argument ultimately it's, it's not childish okay. it's actually it's for adults but it's a cultural thing it's like you know okay. there's a whole culture of geek culture around various things and if you try and move into that area and you know evangelize or whatever mm-hmm. people aren't going to respond to it if you're not from that group you know you're not part of that tribe mm-hmm. So the same as people go live in Africa and then I'm going to learn the tribal ways and the language. Sure. So I fit in and then I can reach them. It's like, well, you know, yeah. people aren't doing that with geeks, which is what you guys obviously are doing as well. It's like you have to be one to actually get respect and be yes. accepted. For sure. Joe, any yeah. uh, final thoughts or comments or questions before we start wrapping things up? Yeah, this is that that response, you know, is probably the best articulation that I've heard in response to that, because a big thing for us in starting this was we wanted to show people that to quote uh, one of our hosts, Pastor Will, that we can be Christians and not be jerks. You know what I mean when it comes mm. to this, the these kinds of things and and these kinds of fandoms and and being able to showcase the fact that you can like what you like and still be a Christian, that you can like things outside of just listening to contemporary Christian music and 
still be, you know, walking in step and all of those kinds of things or like comics or like movies or different things like that. And so it's, it's awesome to see somebody who is very clearly, um, devoted, but also well-studied mm-hmm. being able to put something, something new into the ecosystem that can act as a bridge for other people that maybe that that is exactly how they can, you know, they can pick up the Bible for the first time or get their first exposure to the Bible and things like that through a medium that they're already, um, comfortable with Mm. you know what i mean and and being able to reach out to this different kind of community that can still have christians into it it's just not you know it's it's not the we're not just getting around for 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 coffee and breakfast you know what i mean like as a men's group or whatever Mm. it's it's under a specific fandom or a specific activity yeah Mm. and and that's right. And I mean, with the, the comics, I mean, the aim of them is to reach people who would otherwise not read the Bible. I mean, that's sort of basically the aim. We do want Christians to read them and learn. And, and they are, you know, with the historical stuff, it is given that extra context for anybody who really knows the Bible to get deeper and stuff. But ultimately, it's to make it more accessible. And there's different groups. And one of them's like young people, which is what Christians always pick up. Oh, this would be great for younger people. And Mm -hmm. it does bridge, because you triggered my mind, because you said bridging a gap. And it's like, so that it's supposed to bridge a gap between kids' books, which have loads of pictures and are all super fun, Mm -hmm. and then the Bible, which has tiny text, little numbers, references, Mm -hmm. super long, (laughs) there's nothing in between. And you often drop the kids at this of 11-year-old because they're like, well, I don't really want to read the kiddie stuff, that's for babies. But they're not going to pick up a Bible, are they? Um, You know, Mm -hmm. so there's a massive gap where they're not reading the Bible and they're not really getting exposed. But to bridge that gap, the other thing is to reach people who aren't Christian. They're not going to read a Bible. But Mm -hmm. they would read, if you made, you know, and there's examples, Shakespeare into a comic, the Iliad into a comic, they'll read it. (laughs) They just read it because it's a comic. And so that's the plan is to just, you know, yeah, you don't believe in the Bible. But you'd want to read you. You were interested in reading it for academic reasons, and you like comics. Sure. So here you go. Um, here you know, you know. It's, to, it's to it's to give it's to serve that community that's not going to walk into a church. It's just a stepping stone to um, get them to understand what the Bible actually says. That's awesome. Well, hey, on that note, let's go ahead and start wrapping the show up for today. Uh, before we get out of here, let's do a couple recommendations and then we'll make sure everybody gets a chance to plug where they can get all of everyone's material and whatnot so joe do you have any recommendations today for our audience uh yeah i uh, would definitely recommend um there's still the first couple of issues are still free up on comiXology but um i've been plugging a lot the last ronin um which is a uh TMNT uh, series that's been coming out kind of a dark future sort of take on it. Um, Man, I would, they're, they're getting ready to wrap it up and it is some of the best uh, turtle storytelling that I have read so far. Nice. Uh, For me, leaning into uh, talking about artwork that we like, um, 
there's a YouTube channel I enjoy watching called The Sea Rabbit. That's S-E-A, like a body of water, Sea Rabbit. And it's this guy who just tells fun stories about his life. And he does all, it, it looks like dry erase marker, but I think it's like on a tablet. Um, and it's, the st- he's a really funny storyteller. He's really good at telling stories, but his art is either very simple, like almost stick figures, or then very in-depth, very detailed images. So if you're just looking for a fun little mindless activity later today, go check him out on YouTube. I really enjoy it. Uh, Simon, you have any recommendations for our audience, things that people should check out? Um. I was just racking my brains for all the cool stuff I've recently been watching. And um, here's, a, here's like a random one for you. Um, I got uh, Apple TV free with that when I bought a new iPhone. So I was watching it until it ran out. <laughs> <laughs> There's a couple of good series on there. One's called C with Jason Momoa. And it's about the concept is everybody in the world is blind. And then obviously some of the characters who come up in the story can see. That was quite good, post-apocalyptic. And the other one that randomly I liked is called Foundations, and it's a sci-fi one. And it was quite a lot. It reminded me a lot of Dune, the new Dune, particularly. But it's quite a nicely padded out, good story, futuristic sci-fi space mm-hmm. travel world. Like there's like an empire, and how does the empire work? And then somebody predicts in the first episode that this empire is going to fall and then how do the people yeah. respond to the fact that this empire is going to fall um so yeah it, it, it just was nicely thought out and like nice tech and stuff you thought oh yeah that could be real interesting cool i have apple tv plus we all check those out i've seen the jason momoa one keeps popping up on my recommended all right Simon, why don't you go first? Where can people find you, find your work, and uh, help support the what you're doing? That's great. Um, so, I mean, the, the hub, the main place is our website. And hopefully it should be nice and easy to remember. Word for word, biblecomic.com. Pop that in. From there, you can get to all our stuff. You can follow the blog. Ideally, sign up to the newsletter. It's only once a month, so you get 12 a year. It's not going to blow up your inbox. But it just we tell you what we're doing, put little stuff about the research we're doing and all that sort of stuff. But all the socials as well, very active on you know Facebook and everything. Follow us there, and I often ask people to like contribute their thoughts. And like we, when we do like a T-shirt, it's like which one's better, this one or this one, and blah, blah blah. So people can really be involved in the discussion, or I might even bring up a biblical like, what do you think about this? And you know, and so we really enjoy having people engaged, you know, and, and uh, along for the ride. It's not just like oh, I'm going to draw stuff, and you can look at it there. You know, it's really like a community. So. Um, so head to the website, wordforwordbiblecomic.com. You can buy the books there. You can connect with us on social media and through the newsletter and everything. Awesome. Joe? Um, I co-host a show called Buddy Walk with Jesus as well as uh, Kingdom on the Road, and you can find... All of that stuff um, on Facebook, all of the socials. We're also on YouTube. Um, I'm live on the air uh, six days out of the week, generally speaking. So you'll be able to find me at some point. Awesome. And again, you can find me, Brandon Knight, on TikTok at just.brandon.k. Or you can check out my podcast, My Seminary Life, where I talk about the stuff I'm learning about in grad school right now. And you can find that wherever you get your podcasts and on Facebook and Instagram at My Seminary Life Pod. 
Simon, thank you so much for being here. This was a really good conversation. I'm glad you were able to find time in your day to do this. Um, hope to have you back here in the future to talk more. Maybe when uh, Luke comes out or any other future projects you've got in the pipeline. Um, thank you all for listening to this episode. And remember, we are all a chosen priesthood, a geekdom of priests. This was an Anazao Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, be sure to check out the Anazao Ministries podcast network.